Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I'm really excited to share my conversation with Bethany Webb. She is so inspiring and will help you change the way you look and handle hardships in your life. As a mindset coach, author, and cancer thriver, Bethany's mission is to find freedom with everything life brings. Always intrigued by the relationship between the mind and body, she loves exploring how our mental BS, or belief systems, affect our emotions, physical sensations, and overall health and well-being. Her healing toolbox provides a compassionate inner support system, especially during her journey healing stage four breast cancer. She now loves to say her diagnosis is to live the fuck out of life. Her greatest passion is helping others find the same freedom through online classes, coaching, and her book baby, My Guru Cancer. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Bethany, but before I do, just a reminder to head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com. Hi, Bethany. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I'm so looking forward to talking to you today. Oh my gosh, me too, Haley. This has been a long time coming. It sure has. It sure has. And first, I would love you to share your journey. Yeah. And, and, and starting from any particular. Well, you know, I know beforehand you were in the mindset space. And so I would love to hear what you did. And then. Yeah. So we'll, we'll take like a little journey back to the summer of 2015. (laughs) It's about seven, seven or so years ago. And um, at that time I was 33 and I had been working in the wellness world uh, since I was 25 as a yoga therapist and um, also played in some Thai yoga body work and just very centered around the natural world, organic eating, you know, searching for truth and spirituality and, and all that fun stuff in your late 20s, early 30s, you know, the meaning of life. Um, And I had come across, I had just been certified in this mindfulness practice called the work of Byron Katie. And it's just a way to um, take a look at the stressful thoughts that are floating around our heads and, and bring them to a process of inquiry and kind of clear away, you know, that mental, emotional stress and find beauty in reality in, in the present moment of reality, as opposed to getting lost in those scary painful, hopeless stories in your head. So um, that practice was huge in my own life. I had started it and I think I found it when I, four years prior to that, four or five years, I don't know, 
who knows time anymore <laughs> in my late twenties. And I just found so much freedom in it that, um, you know, I find something that works, I go do trainings in it and then use it myself and, and share it with the world. So I was super excited at that point. It was, um, in the summer, I was ready to start a new kind of blended career path of combining yoga and the work of Byron Katie. Cause I thought it was like the perfect mind body, you know, offering, um, I had just, uh, led my very first yoga retreat in Costa Rica. Um, I actually partnered with my mom for that. She's a meditation and yoga teacher as well. She's the one who introduced me to all of this when I was a stressed out teenager, um, at 15. Oh, how nice. It just felt like life was like, yeah, we are going in the right path. I'm following my calling. I felt really great. I looked great. Um, I felt just sort of on top of the world. And so I had started getting lumps in my breast, um, in my late twenties as well. And I had really dense breast tissue, um, also very large boobs for my size. I don't understand how that happened, but (laughs) it was just like my identity, small, small waist, mermaid hair and, and big boobs. Uh, and so, you know, when I got that first lump, of course I freaked out because I had no idea you could have a lump that, you know, wasn't cancerous. Um, I ended up getting an ultrasound, you know, when you're younger, mammograms aren't something that's, that's recommended. So, um, through an ultrasound, I, discovered it was just either a swollen lymph node or a cyst. And so I learned, um, over time to a way to monitor the breast tissue, you know, with your cycle and just find out like, Oh, what's my normal, what's new, what's let's follow this a bit. And, and I had a couple lumps throughout that process. Um, and I also took them to thermography. I was, you know, very afraid of, what I heard about mammograms and, and radiation and that kind of stuff. So, um, anyways, I, I kind of found a rhythm with it where it was not a big deal, you know, breast cancer, it doesn't run in my family. You know, I'm young, I do everything naturally, went to acupuncture and, you know, all, all those things, right. I did all the things. And so, um, the possibility of cancer was, was not really in my mind, but, um, I did find another lump and, I did not get it checked out right away. And so come to that summer, I'm feeling the lump has grown a bit. Um, I actually felt another one in my armpit, but I was just too busy, you know, launching all this fun new stuff. And I told myself, okay, when I get back from Costa Rica, I'll figure, figure it out. So I went for thermography at that point and, you know, I trusted that process. Um, and the naturopath did the scans and, in those scans, it, you know, it measures the heat in the breast tissue. Also, it could take a look at the, my armpit area and the axilla and it didn't detect any signs of cancer. And so of course that was a huge relief to hear. Um, he told me that, oh, there's a little bit of congestion, in your lymphatic system, take these herbs, we'll flush it. And then his sister who also ran, ran the practice did, um, some kind of, I don't even know what it was, to be honest, like these little electrodes that they put on my breast and my armpit and was supposed to like move things. I, I really don't know. I just trusted whatever they said and, and did it. And so, and I just have a quick question. Yeah. So it's supposed to measure the heat, right? Yeah. And so did they say there was no heat there? Nothing that showed any signs of cancer. Yeah. Or even potential cancer. And so it was like, do these things come back in six months. Um, and as I was doing the things, I just, I felt really uneasy. Um, the lumps were there. They were, seemed to be getting bigger. 
And so I went back to him. I'm like, listen, I'm concerned. I feel like they're getting bigger. Are you sure I don't need a mammogram or an ultrasound? And so we did two more rounds of thermography to see if maybe something different showed up. Um, same outcome. It didn't show anything cancerous. And um, I don't know, something in me just shifted where I was like, you know what? I, I think I got to go to Western medicine to get this stuff checked out. Like it, it, something's not sitting right. And I'm so happy I did because I, I went through the ultrasound mammogram and then a biopsy and it confirmed a very aggressively growing um, late stage two, early three breast cancer. And so, you know, it was so interesting because it was the most common form of breast cancer, um, IDC, invasive ductal carcinoma. And it was also presenting now it was, you could visibly see it protruding from my breast. So it wasn't like in this deep, weird chest wall spot where, you know, any kind of diagnostic tool would be hard, you know, to find it was, it was presenting there. And then also, um, a very large tumor, I think it was 4.8 centimeters in my, in my armpit. And so at that point, you know, with that clarity, I was like, goodbye, naturopath, <laughs> like, sorry, that's, and, you know, I went back and, and told him and, and share that often. I'm not a proponent of, of that for diagnostic tools. I think Western medicine's pretty good, you know, in the, in that realm. So, so within that time period of, you know, gosh, it was maybe two or three weeks of, of wondering if this is cancer or not. And, you know, I had been trained. It's like, I had spent the, the 10 years prior training, right. For this moment. So I'm trained in how to deal with stress. I'm trained in how to work with the body and listen and breathe and, and find peace, right? Well, I decided, like, I did none of it. And I just lost it out the window. And I completely went deep, deep down into suffering. And, um, and like, it's like my mind was only filled with worst case scenarios. And at that point, I had no idea if it was cancer or not, but just that possibility. Um, and the images in my head, I didn't know anyone with cancer at the time. Um, I, all I knew were the movies I saw and like my friend's aunt's cousin who's dead and dead and dead. like, that's, that's the only reference point I had, um, for cancer. So it hit, like, it took me a certain amount of suffering to finally be like, you know what? Enough. <laughs> like I've had enough. This is not working either. Like I can't live this way. And so this now is at the point between I've had the mammogram and ultrasound. It looked very suspicious. They wanted to do a biopsy. So this is now in between there. I'm, it's also my 34th birthday, you know, and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go back and reach into that toolbox of all that stuff I'm trained in and I'm going to try it out. And I went right into um, the work of Byron Picady of, of questioning those beliefs, those stories that were in my head. And, um, I was awake. It was so weird between two and 5. AM almost every morning, my mind was fully awake. And I just started writing, 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 like could not stop doing this process, taking a look at my thoughts, asking them like, are, is it true, Bethany? Like, are you sure that that's what this is? And are you sure that even if it is cancer, that that's a bad thing, you know, that that's going to ruin your life and going to mean death in a few months and get, you know, just all these stories. Right. And, and so as I started unwinding those thought patterns and just kind of opening my mind to these other possibilities, like maybe it's cancer, maybe it's not. 
And if it is, maybe this could be a good thing. You know, what if this is something that, you know, brings more meaning into my life and, you know, helps me really practice all the stuff I've been preaching for years. You know, what if this is um, how I come back to self-love? What And I just had all these other what ifs, right? Running in my head. And as I entertained those possibilities, um, I felt alive. You know, I felt inspired um, and I even felt excited, which was the weirdest thing ever. So then day comes in that biopsy and I'm like floating through cloud nine. You know, I, the nurse's name is Joy, which I thought was amazing. And they offered me a warm blanket, which I was like, this is so sweet. I can't believe they do that. And, you know, I laid on the table and they walked me through the process and they were kind and compassionate. You know, I, they asked if I wanted to watch the procedure on the screen. And I was like, hell no, please put something over my eyes. I'm good. And, you know, and I figured, you know, whatever diagnosis happens, like I'm, I'll be okay either way. And so when I finally heard those words, you have cancer, it was two weeks after my birthday and, um, it didn't hit me. Like it was still shocking. Cause I, you know, I felt so good and thought I was really in tune and intuitive with my body and that I would know if it was cancer. I really didn't. Um, so it was shocking, but it didn't have that same devastating impact that I think it would have if I hadn't worked my mind a bit. And quick question, just yeah, what stage were you? So they, at that point, they said either a late stage two or an early three. So it had spread um, from my breast into my lymphatic system in the left armpit. Um, the measurement, like I said, the largest tumor in the armpit was I think measuring at 4.8 centimeters. And so um, when we then had the big discussion of treatment and all of that. I mean, that's, I totally lost it emotionally then. Cause I was like, Oh my God, here I am like barely going to doctors. And all of a sudden I'm recommended six months of aggressive chemo surgery, radiation, 10 years of hormone therapy, you know, to hear that in one sitting, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And that I'm going to lose my mermaid hair and that, you know, just Oh my gosh, my, I lost it again at that point. Um, however, because the cancer had moved to the armpit, so some people's surgery is, is the first recommended, um, treatment plan. But for me, um, she said that if they did surgery in the armpit area, I might lose the use of my arm because it was just really involved in, in the armpit area. So I was like, Oh, I, I like my arm. Um, you know, I, I use my hands a lot. So yeah, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to vote for chemo first, which, which, you know, the job was to shrink everything so that surgery could be less, less invasive and, and easier to get all of it. Right. Yeah. And, and the staging honestly was confusing to me too, because by the time I had surgery, which was after six months of chemo and chemo worked like magic, it was phenomenal to see how quickly things were shrinking. And I loved like feeling that affirmation, you know, every week it was smaller as opposed to just sort of guessing if it's working <laughs> and hoping, but it, it worked. It was incredible. So by the time I had surgery, it was a uh, stage two a, it was, you know, a very small amount in the breast and a tiny amount in the lymph nodes. Okay. And just, I'm wondering, yeah, because you said you were all natural, that was hard. <laughs> how did you handle knowing, okay, I need to do chemo. How did you relate to the chemo? I think, um, you know, my mind became open around Western medicine just because I had lived such a natural life up to that point and somehow managed to grow a buttload of cancer. (laughs) So it's like, okay, well 
that might not be the only answer here. And then also that experience with the naturopath. And, you know, I just, that my, my, it grew some distrust and, and some sort of like, well, maybe nature isn't always the only answer. Interesting. Okay. And as I opened my mind to like test these theories about Western medicine, like, you know, medicine is poison. Is it true? You know, doctors are only in it for the money. Is it true? And I, and I just started being met with the opposite. I'm like, these doctors are holding my hand. They're looking me in the eyes. They're like, you know, they, they also want what I want, which is to live. Um, when I looked at chemotherapy and, and questioned that thought that it's, it's poisonous to my body. Like, yeah, people say that. Um, but I, I found quite the opposite. It's, it's healing to my body. And, and I chose to look at it that way and welcome it that way into my body. And so these same like principles that we use in the natural world or spirituality, you know, it's like about love and welcoming and learning and growing. And that's the perspective that I chose to take both with cancer itself and then also medicine. And, um, also the natural world, my God, it's so helpful for dealing with side effects. So I kept up with the acupuncture and nutrition and supplements and what else, different forms of movement and exercise. And I mean, all of that really supported me and, and not having, um, debilitating side effects. Like, you know, I often heard, um, I never threw up in chemo, not, not even once I had a moment. It almost happened. <laughs> and I just sat there, like my head hung out of a car window for a second. I'm like, all right, but then it passed. I don't know. It didn't. Um, so that then became exciting to like find these natural ways to, to also meet, meet the side effects from treatment. Cause I think that's what people fear the most is your, your quality of life. Um, and I also came to acceptance, like it's, it's not the time to live the same pace of life. Like I had to slow down. I had to scroll back. I had to do less. I had to let myself rest more, ask for help, you know, get support. I started to go fund me account. That was really helpful too, for the complimentary therapies because they're not covered by insurance. And, and that was also, you know, really, really supportive to me. That was so smart. You know, of course it was hard. It had ups and downs, but, um, I, I genuinely had a good experience throughout, um, what ended up being a two-year treatment plan for that round. I heard you say that you don't like thinking about fighting cancer Mm -hmm. and I could resonate with that so much because I really feel the same way. Yeah. And you kind of told us a little just now. And that's like, you know, that again is sort of the societal perception. It's the war on cancer and you're going into battle and and fighting and conquering this enemy. And, and it just, um, it did not resonate with me. It didn't make sense. So here's this thing growing in my body, right? This cells or, you know, I don't even know. I haven't seen them, but right. There's this thing called cancer. I got a name (laughs) and it's growing in my body and, and it's part of me, you know, it's part of the body. It's not me. It's not who I am, but you know, it's in here instead of, um, when I go into like, a fight or flight mode, right? I'm fighting. I'm physically how that feels in my body is, is very hardened. Like I'm, you know, clenching my fists or my, I'm not breathing as deeply. My shoulders are, are tense, you know, and I'm just fight. I hate this thing. That's growing. You know, I, I try it on, right. I try it on just to see how it feels. Um, and to me, it felt, it felt painful. 
And, and then I tried, you know, a different approach, which is welcoming it, you know, greeting it like, hello, cancer here, here you are, you're, you're here for whatever. I don't know the reason, but here we are, you're here right with me. And, um, what, what if I like open to you and see you as a wise teacher that's here to grow me, to evolve me, to make my life better. Um, and so from that perspective, it was just like this physical softening in my body. You know, I'm more relaxed. I'm more at ease. I'm not at war with this, this thing in my body. It's just like, okay, we're here and I'm listening, you know, I'm available. Let's, let's, we're in this together. Let's see how far this goes. And, and I was very interested, you know, at that time, um, people would tell me like, oh, this is just going to be like a blip in your road and it'll be over soon before you know it. And, you know, like, I hope so, but I also don't know. And I was very much more interested in finding happiness now, you know, finding it in cancer, in treatment, in pain, in all of it, as opposed to waiting until it's maybe over. Um, cause I didn't know if it would be. And I also like, I had a hard time finding, um, books or, you know, I had a hard time finding literature, just ways to do that. Um, I, so that's, you know, that was the start of writing my book was the beginning of that treatment. Cause I was just noticing all these amazing parts to it. And I'm like, Hey, I know there's a lot of pain in this journey too. Of course, but like, here's another part of it. That's really beautiful. And, and here's how to find it and see it. Cause you can't see those things when you're bogged down by fear and the emotional pain. It's just so hard. It's hard to see that. And so, um, that was really like, I, I started writing the book that I wish I could have read when I was diagnosed. It's so important what you said, because so many people say when I get that job, I'll be happy. Or when I have that partner, I'll be happy. And you are such a good example of no, be happy now, even in the rough stuff. Yeah be happy now and go for the job, go for the, you know, do all the things. But when you're putting your happiness on hold like that and always waiting for something outside of you in the future to happen. And I caught myself doing that in my twenties too. Like I joked, I was like, it's the, I'll be happy when <laughs> belief. <laughs> and then that thing would happen. Right. And you find the next thing to worry about. <laughs> so exactly. Wait a minute. What magical formula is supposed to align in my life so that I can just see joy in this moment. It's like, no, it's actually here. It's just covered up by some stressful thoughts in my experience. And I'd love to hear, just backtrack a bit about the four questions that Byron Katie yeah. says, because you talked about it just now, but I, I just want to hear the questions because I think that could help a lot of people. Yeah. So um, it's such a simple process that, to be honest, that was my complaint about it. When I first found it, I was like, it's too simple. This can't be like the answer to all of suffering. No way. Um, so like, just for example, a thought that I had, um, right in, you know, in that diagnostic phase is, is cancer will ruin my life. You know, it's like, it's, this is, this is that boom, gut punch from the universe. Like it's, this is the worst thing that could happen. So, so there's the belief cancer will ruin my life. Um, and then I asked myself four questions. So the first one is, is it true? You know, is it true that cancer will ruin my life? And it's really just a yes or a no. 
you know, is the invitation for that. And it's, it's like a meditation, you sit in it and it's what's true for you. And so I, you know, at that time I had a yes, like, yeah, I'm it's, this is not a good thing. (laughs) This is not a good thing. And so, um, then I moved to the, the second question is, can you absolutely know it's true that cancer will ruin my life? And that word absolutely is big. So absolutely means hundred percent without a doubt, like it would hold up in court as evidence. True. And, and that for me, it catches me a lot where it's like, oh, well, I can't know for sure. Especially when we're thinking of something in the future, like it hasn't happened yet. Like I don't, I really don't know. So that created just a little space for me of, you know, okay, no, I can't know for sure that cancer will ruin my life. Okay. So there's some space now. So then the third question is, how do you react? What happens when you're believing the thought that cancer will ruin my life? And that's when I can step into like, oh my God, the emotions <laughs> that come with that, the fear, the panic, the anxiety, you know, I'm not trying to shove away any of those emotions. I'm acknowledging them. Like, yeah, I can't breathe <laughs> when I'm in that thought. And my mind, I just see these images of the future. I see my body breaking down. I see a wheelchair. I see being bedridden. I see my family falling apart. Um, I see, you know, my bank account, um, draining completely. And I, you know, I see hospice, I see pain physically and just, and then there's now I'm that sad story. People talk about that sad. Oh, remember Bethany? God, she died so young. That's so sad. Right. And And I witness those images and like pain. I mean, just pain seeing that future. And, um, and so you sit in that, like you sit in that question and you really notice like, God, how does this thought affect my life? And maybe I withdraw from others. Maybe I, um, stop doing creative projects. Cause what's the point? Maybe I, you know, I just, I start to not engage with life even more. And so I sit in that question. Um, And then until I feel ready to move to the next question, question four is who would you be without the thought that cancer removed my life? And we're not denying reality. It's like, here's the diagnosis that's happening, right? I heard the words, I see the scans I'm in the doctor's meetings, but who would I be if I just couldn't believe that it'll ruin my life? And that to me, that question, it so often brings me back to the present moment. Like, okay, I'm here. I'm in, you know, the doctor's office. I see the kindness in their eyes. I really appreciate that, you know, there are some treatment options here. Interesting. Oh God, thank God for all the women, you know, and and men in the past that have been in these studies to, you know, the people developing the medications, the people trying them out and honing, perfecting, you know, so now I'm grateful. Um, You know, when I see cancer, it's interesting. Like, oh God, I actually feel good physically in my body. That's, oh, that's so interesting. How, how nice I'm not, I'm not in hospice, <laughs> you know, I'm actually back in my real body in my real life and I'm calmer and I'm just like, okay, here I am. And let's, let's move to the next, next appointment, the next direction. And I look at the trees, I see the colors. I look at my nieces and I see, you know, the sweet smiles and I'm just, I'm here without that thought. And then the last process of the work is called the turnarounds and you take a thought and you kind of flip it to different opposites. And so, you know, with that belief, I would go with, 
you know, cancer. So the original thought is cancer will ruin my life. It won't ruin my life or it'll save my life or help my life or benefit my life. And so that to me, it's where my mind just starts to open to other possibilities. And, you know, I start, I'm, yes, this is the future. We don't know. Like we don't know the can. I don't know in 10 minutes what will happen, but, but I'm going to try on some possibilities of how that could be true and find examples. So, you know, it's more than an affirmation. It's like, I'm going to find proof. And so it's like, okay, well, this gives me a chance to really practice all these things I've been preaching. Okay. So how could it hurt to have more meditation or yoga or mindfulness to be more present? That might actually really help my life. Okay, cool. There's an example. It might save my life, you know, to, to be faced with mortality at a young age and to, to helps you realize just how fleeting and precious life is now. It's like, no one's guaranteed another day. And to get that lesson and that reality check is, can be really beautiful. Um, so that's like, God, I'm going to live my life from a more grateful space of being here. Great. Okay, cool. Check. And you know, at that time I was like, maybe I'd write a book. Maybe I would, you know, connect with others. And this could be a way to serve in the world, which turned out to be true. And, but that filled me with such inspiration and hope at that time, or maybe I'll try a new treatment that ends up saving other people's lives or, you know, ends up being a cure. I don't know. Like, so I just started really looking at how it could save my life, how it could make it better at that time. And just entertaining all of that. I feel calmer, present, available. And then I'm like, let's do this. So powerful. So powerful. And that those four questions met me with, you know, I was freaking out about finances. I didn't have health insurance when I was first diagnosed. That was terrifying, but like life lined up Obamacare. I love you. And, (laughs) you know, like all these amazing support showed up and then I, you know, I used it for physical pain as well. And, you know, I did end up going through a double mastectomy and reconstruction and, um, radiation. I mean, it was a rigorous treatment plan and I would watch my mind, you know, when you're reading side effects of treatment, oh dear God, like (laughs) your mind goes, you all of a sudden imagine having every single side effect (laughs) for the rest of your life. And then you're in just this panic attack starting treatment. Um, that's no way to go into treatment. So with those, those four questions, like, oh, can I really know it's true that, you know, this treatment will kill me or will, you know, render me disabled or wherever your mind goes. Um, is it true? Can I really know for sure? How do I react when I believe it? Well, I can tell you that the most nauseous I ever was in chemo was the day before chemo started. So you can say that it's in your mind. Not one drop of medicine touched me and I was nauseous, healed over and like, cause I was reading the side effects and then imagining all of that happening. And then my body responded. It was crazy fascinating yes, um, and really cool. And not to say I didn't experience side effects. Absolutely. I did, but it they were mild. They were manageable. There's things you can do to, you know, support yourself in that it's not just this doom and gloom, you know, thing. So yeah, those four questions were, um, I kind of, you know, I call them my mental medicine, my inner support system. And I, I don't know how, what I would have done without that. 
to be honest. It is so powerful. And so you write yeah. this down. It's not always just thinking about it. You write it down. Yeah. Yeah. I highly recommend if you're doing it on your own to do it as a written meditation. Um, and there are worksheets on the work.com is Baron Katie's website. She's the founder and, and they're free to download and you can, they have the questions all there and then space to write your answers. Um, I also benefit so much working with facilitators too, since I am a facilitator of a lot of friends that are in that community. So people were so kind to reach out um, and offer to do the work with me. Um, so working with somebody is really helpful too. Um, and then I, you know, I do that now for, with others, of course, that's like one of my favorite things in the entire world and, and lead class series around finding freedom from pain and illness. Um, but, and it's also still a practice I use and need and, (laughs) and, and benefit from greatly. Um, so yeah, I went through this, this was, you know, all for about a two-year time period from 2015 to 2017. Um, and I was pronounced cancer-free um, after my double mastectomy. There was no proof of cancer. I still had more treatment to go, um, but was, you know, in remission according to, to doctors and everything. And something really interesting happened when I was pronounced physically cancer-free. Um, I was hit with so many emotions, like just went downhill again and spiraled into, um, fear of a recurrence fear, like, like what just happened, you know, like what, cause you're just in go, go, go next thing, next thing. All of a sudden you're just like time to sit with the trauma of how much your life changed in this short period of time. And I, um, I was, I went to a really dark, painful place and I'm really grateful for that experience because it really showed me um, and it's the main message in my book that freedom from cancer is a state of mind, you know, cause here I was with cancer, like free alive here. I know I don't have cancer, <laughs> you know, but I, but I'm not, I'm, I'm gripped with that mental, emotional pain of cancer. And so again, climbing out of that, it's like, I prefer to have a mind that's free from cancer, you know, body, it goes or stays. I don't know. Um, but my mind, like that, that was where, that's where I am empowered to clear it. And that's where, um, life is just better, you know, when I'm free in that yes. way. And you brought up such an important point about it's not all smooth and yeah, there's different bumps in the road and you swerve and you, you have different mindsets. And I could relate so much to what you were saying, because after my treatment for ovarian cancer, I was more scared than ever. I, I felt like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? Just like you said, you know, the fear comes in of recurrence and you're not seeing the doctors anymore and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's really common. And so I, you know, I, a lot of people, and then there's guilt with that. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm, or shame, you know, I'm I'm cancer free. This is that thing I wanted yet. I'm, I'm not, I'm really, and, and that's to me, what I, what I found in myself is like, I mean, grief has its own life and, and for that grief to really hit when treatment ended, um, was a gift. And that, like, I finally had time to sit with it. You know, when I was in that go, 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 it's like, I just have time to sit with these emotions, to sit with myself and be like, Oh, and I turn towards compassion, love, kindness. And like, I also, you know, you can't bypass those emotions, like they're there. And I, 
sometimes I've even used that process with the work to try to get out of those emotions, you know, and I just had to sit in them and be like, I love you. (laughs) And the pain and the fear, of course, there's fear. Like, of course, you know, of course you're scared. Um, you know, and just be with that. I found to be, um, just so soothing and like a sweet way to be with myself. Yes. It's showing love for yourself. So many people go through that. Like, it's just so normal. It's just so normal. And the roller coaster is normal. Like all of it is normal. I think, um, sometimes, you know, I do have in general, like a, I would consider, you know, a genuinely positive outlook. That doesn't mean I'm always positive. Like I'll sometimes just be like, fuck this. Screw <laughs> <laughs> exactly. all this and anger. And then now I'm just like, honor all of it. That's all part of it and okay and natural. And, you know, we're not supposed to be happy and peaceful all the time. That's just not how new human nature works. Exactly. And you wrote this book, My Guru Cancer. Yes. And you just explained that you were looking for the stuff and, and you really didn't find it. And, and, you know, what I love about it and you, you bring humor yes. to, to the whole experience. Yeah. You gotta have some of that <laughs> and lots of cussing apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Crazy. And what about the grief? You, you brought that up of, of yeah. losing your breasts or losing a body part, because I know I felt similar. Yeah. Um, my breasts and my hair were my favorite, favorite favorite parts of my body, um, by far and, and, and an identity for me. Like I was that girl and my hair was long, curly down to my butt. You know, I've always had it long and, and my breasts just, I love them. Um, and so I, at first was just angry. Like those are the parts you're going to take. Like I'm pissed, (laughs) pissed off that I'm in this situation, making these choices, you know, I'd really rather be focusing on what color of paint to renovate the kitchen or, you know, whatever, like these other normal problems people have. Um, so angry at first. And then, um, honestly, when it came to, to, I, I chose a double mastectomy. I didn't have to do it. It well, you don't have to do anything. It's all a choice. Um, but like, I did have the option of doing a lumpectomy Um, especially, you know, at that point, a lot of the cancer had shrunk from chemo and it was so interesting, um, to watch my mind change and choose a double. And I was just looking at like, what brought me more peace of mind in the long term? And I knew, I didn't know if I'd have cancer again, but my, I knew I would have a lump again in my breast because that breast tissue was so dense. Um, I knew I would have that. And, and having had cancer, I'd have to go through the same process of mammogram, ultrasound biopsy. And, um, and I just wanted to choose less time in hospitals <laughs> if I could. Understandable. So I watched my mind change around that. And, um, and I just, it, it took a while for me to like come to terms. Like I made that decision without knowing it, you know? And so I caught up with okay, this is actually is what works best for me. Um, and then I question the thought I'm losing my breasts and you know, that's what they say. And they, they call it like barbaric, everything's getting chopped off and, you know, and I'm like, you know what, am I really losing my breasts? Like what's, what's actually happening here. And what I discovered is I am having tissue removed from my breast, right? Tissue that I have never actually felt 
or seen because I've got skin over it, right? I'm having tissue removed and I'm having it replaced with something that is way less likely to get cancer. So am I losing my breasts or am I gaining new breasts? You know, for me, I chose reconstruction. Not everyone does. That's something that was important to me, but am I gaining new cancer-free breasts that are less likely to get cancer in the future? And so that to me, was like, I mean, that's not putting a pretty story on it. It's literally what's happening. Like tissues getting swapped out for something else. And, um, and that, I don't know, it just brought me a lot of peace of mind in that process. And I also still like leading up to that surgery, you know, I would like put lotion and oils and touch myself, you know, and just be like, I love you. Like, thank you for being with me and bring so much pleasure and, you know, joy in my life. Also you're yanking on my shoulders a lot right now and giving me headaches. And I kind of don't mind the gravity of <laughs> new, like <laughs> new perky breasts that won't do that. Um, but it was just this natural, like, I love you. Thank you. And here now are my new breasts. And so, um, and it wasn't love at first sight with these, these newbies. It took a while. They, you know, got a little weird with radiation. I've got very much a pair of googly eye nipples that like wang out to the side a bit from the tightening of the skin from radiation. Again, humor helps. Um, but I learned to love them and that's just my new body. And I, I honestly like the scars are beautiful now there. It's just like, yeah, this is what I've been through. Um, this is a map of my resilience. You know, it's not a deformity or, you know, something wrong with me. It's just, this is what I've been through. And and honestly, like people wouldn't even know. Exactly. And it helps you like, look at like, gosh, what is true beauty? You know, what is feminine? And I thought that that those two things, my breasts and hair is what made me feminine um, and turning into a bald little alien and, you know, going through that surgery and everything. I'm like, oh my God, that has nothing to do with beauty <laughs> at all. You know, I was young too, and, and I needed uh, a total hysterectomy. So I have a huge scar yeah. from way down below to above my belly button. Mm-hmm. And I was vain. I, I loved my stomach. It was flat. I didn't want the surgery. I didn't want any of it. And, but you're reframing it in such a beautiful way because it's true. It, it, you look at it as look how resilient I am. Look how strong my body is that it can heal from that. Yeah. And it is an amazing seeing it heal. Incredible. I mean, when you, when you flash to like, right when you got out of the surgery and like all the colors and <laughs> like, we've got greens and blues and, oh, it was, re- and had drains. I don't know if they do drains with them um, with your surgery or not, but like drains that are literally like, you know, all the gooey blood is coming. <laughs> it's like, yes, I did have a little drain body heals like it mends and the scar comes together and like it's just phenomenal to see what the body can do. Oh my gosh, I could talk to you forever, but I wanted to get into how what is going on for you now. So here I am. This was 2017 when I finished treatment. Um still healing. You know, it's like I'm healing then the mind <laughs> from what just happened. Within that time period, I would often ask myself, you know, as I was working through the fears of the cancer coming back, I would ask myself, like, how would I live my, how would I live my life differently if it did come back? Right. Like what, okay, let's play with this. Like what, what would I change? And there were a lot of some things in my life that really weren't working. Um, and it's in the book as well. My marriage took a hit at that time. Like it just, it was like, 
all the dynamics that weren't working, the cancer happened and it highlighted like everything where I could no longer, you know, pretend like it was okay. And so that was a big part. Um, I ended up leaving my marriage and I ended up leaving Texas, which is where I was living for a while. Um, I was ready to move 12 years earlier. Uh, and then I met my, what came to be husband at the time and ended up staying way longer than I thought. And so I actually ended up, um, leaving my marriage, moving to Colorado. Um, I've always loved Colorado. I visited growing up in summers. My best friend lived out there and I, um, I craved more nature. I craved more adventure. Uh, there's a really fun nonprofit too called first descents that works with young cancer survivors and takes them on these cancer adventure trips. I went on some of them, they're headquartered in Denver. So I was like, cool. I've got like a cancer family to come into. And then my brother, the seal, the deal was my younger brother moved out here with his wife and they were about to have their first baby. And I, you know, I'm infertile now, um, as well. I talk about how I birthed a book baby, but you know, I won't have a, a real one. Um, and so just being around like a little, my little niece growing up, like just all is so lining up. And so I moved out here. I started this new life. Um, and then the other thing that I knew I had to do was write the book. So I had blogged throughout everything, you know, it was always just sort of like there, but I'm like, that is damn it. That I need to write that book. Don't I? And so the first year of, of living out in Colorado, I just dove in and found an editor and just like, I, I pitched it to get published that did not work. So I gave myself a date. Like if nothing comes to fruition by this day, I am self-publishing and this girl is getting out in the world. (laughs) And so I did all the things. Um, and I loved my life. I took my book baby on all these little adventures, taking all these cheesy photos with, you know, her and like a stroller and, you know, (laughs) like I used all my niece's stuff and I'm like, here's my baby. Um, I started dating, which was super fun. Um, I hadn't dated in 12 years. I had a new body for that. So I was very nervous. Like, what's it going to be like with these, you know, new breasts and how is it going to work? And, and I, it was a ball. I was met with, you know, again, I had all these fears and none of them came true. Um, it was just a boss. And then can I just ask you one question? Did you mm-hmm. tell your date if you were getting I did. intimate that, okay. It was honestly, cause it's just it became such a big part of my life at, at that point. I was also teaching classes and very public and social media. So it's, it's a part of my life. And my ex had such a hard time with the cancer journey. I knew that whoever, if I was going to be with someone else, they need to be hands down, like okay with this, this part of my life and, and being able to enjoy it with me. So yeah, that was like first date get go to me. It was a litmus test. It was like, if someone freaks out over this, bye, thank you. Not for me. Next person. Like it yes. did not cross my mind as yeah. Like that's just very clearly not the person for me. And so, um, fast forward to, you know, I don't know, a few months later, I went on a date with this adorable boy named Tim, like we were chatting a bunch on the dating app and we had our first date and it was just one of those first dates where we couldn't stop talking. Um, like then I think the waitress came three times to try to take our order and we just had so much in common and chatting and, and like, you know, he heard my cancer story and was like, it made him fall for me more. Like, you know, it was just no, no way was it baggage. It was like, wow, like, that's amazing what you've done with this. And 
And um, yeah, we fell in love. And then COVID hit um, like one month later. <laughs> and so here we were like, hey, do you want to keep hanging out? I kind of do, do you. And like, I don't, you know. And so we end up um, staying together. And, it, and, it, and we had so much fun in the beginning of COVID. And that was my, te- it was like, oh, here's that partner who can have fun in shitty times. Cause like, we're not in control of COVID. The world's got a cancer diagnosis in COVID. In my opinion, it's like, here's this thing. You didn't see it coming. Now you've got to stop work or change the way you work and slow down and, you know, like deal with these fearful, like what is going to happen? Is the world ending? Is it not? Or am I going to get sick? What's going to, how, what are my symptoms going to be like? It's just, it was so similar. Um, so we just had a ball together and, um, we're still together now and about, um, so 2021, this is a year, about a year ago. Um, I started having, had been having low back pain. And so even when I published my book, like that low back pain was kind of starting just a little bit published my book, um, you know, with, with my boyfriend as well, which is a whole nother story. It's really weird to publish a book about another relationship when you're in a different life. Right. I mean, you talked about your husband and all that. And sex and like describing yeah, intimate details of sex. And now my boyfriend's whole family's right. <laughs> <laughs> but it still felt I, I needed to, to share that story. But um, anyways, yeah, I started having really bad low back pain. And I brought it to my, um, I had gotten a new oncologist being in Colorado. So she was like, she wasn't with me in the first journey, but just for follow-up appointments. And, and she said, I called right away. And she said that, um, it's not presenting like a recurrence. If it were like, I would be in constant pain where the pain kind of was in and out. Um, so I was like, okay, you sure you don't, I don't need a scan. No. And we had a follow-up the next month. I'm like, it still hurts. I'm limping. Like, are you sure? no, 90% of people get low back pain. I'm like, okay. So I go for chiropractics and, you know, exercise and, and I'm trying and, um, it just gets worse. And so it was, um, it was like six months after I first started feeling that pain. I found a spine specialist that finally agreed to order a scan for me. Um, I, in no way, like, of course it wasn't on my mind. Like, I hope this isn't a cancer occurrence. Cause I did kind of hear a relationship between breast cancer and low back pain, which I don't understand because they're very far from each other physically in the body. Like why, why, but I had heard that. And so of course I wanted to rule out that it was cancer, but I also just wanted to figure out what the fuck it was and heal it. Cause it was starting to govern, uh, my awesome adventurous Colorado life. Like it was hard to walk some days and, um, I mean, I remember lying in bed and having to have my boyfriend like turn me over so I could slide out of bed, slide down the stairs and pee in the middle of the night. And I'm like, okay, this is really screwing with my quality of life. So the doctor orders the MRI, um, insurance declines it because they think it's not medically necessary. And they tell me, um, we'll approve a scan once you do eight weeks of physical therapy. So I was like, fine, do the physical therapy. I do it. It doesn't really help. It's okay. I just want that damn scan. So, um, so this is now four years in remission, five years after my diagnosis and, um, two hours after my MRI, I get a call 
from the doctor. And I'm like, that's really weird. Why is he calling me? And his first thing is, are you sitting down? And I'm like, oh shit. Okay. I am now. And at that time I was alone. I was at home. It was middle of the day. And he tells me that they found, um, there are masses all over the spine. You know, it looks like it's cancer and you need to get your oncologist, right? Like immediately and figure out next steps. And he said, I know this is what you were worried about. And I said, yeah, I was. And why was nobody else? Like, why was I the only one pushing for these scans? And, um, you know, he apologized profusely and got on the phone with my oncologist and, and that like one of the most devastating days of my life. Um, in no way could I put a pretty picture on it. You know, it just, it was awful. And my mind was again, consumed, like, is this stage four cancer? Is this terminal? Is that, you know, like, wait, what, what? And so, um, I end up my oncologist is about to go apparently on sabbatical for a month, um, but she was in the office the next day. So they squeezed me into her lunchtime and, you know, she looked me dead in the eyes. And I so appreciate this because at that point we knew it was in my bones. Um, we didn't know anywhere else, but, you know, she looked at me and she's like, this is very treatable for many, many years. She's like, breast cancer has come a long way. Like, it's not what it used to be. I know this is scary, but like, this is treatable for many, many. And I just hung on to those words. So she didn't give me a prognosis. Like you have X, Y, Z to live, um, which I really appreciate because she could have, and I have friends in the same situation have gotten that. Um, I did tell her, I did not want to know <laughs> unless it was a matter of months. I do want to know. So then we did additional testing. We found that it was also, it spread to my liver. There were, I think, three different spots there, and then also in some lymph nodes in my stomach. And so just that like surreal feeling of hearing that information, but again, not feeling it. Like, yes, I had low back pain, but like, oh, that's cancer fracturing my bones. Like, that's what that pain is. Oh, okay. Liver had no idea. Like, and so that surreal, what do you mean? Like, whose body are you talking about? (laughs) And then, I was met with so much rage. I did all of it. The complimentary stuff, the Western medicine. I wrote a goddamn book (laughs) to help others. Like what else universe are you asking of me? And so I felt like my, my trust for the universe was just broken. Like, I mean, just fuck you universe, like just so angry. And also I had was so happy. Like I just started this new life and this new love and like, no way am I done with this now? So on one hand I was angry. And on the other hand, I was so motivated. Like I'm not like, I am going to keep living here. Like I have a very strong reason to still be here. And I was public with everything that like, I, I kept it to myself for a bit and my family and, and, and we got a treatment plan in place. Like i knew the amount of unsolicited advice that would pour in, um, (laughs) as it did in round one, like, Hey, ginger cures cancer. I'm like, cool. I love ginger and I'm going to also do drugs. Um, but like, (laughs) you know, like I just knew that would happen and I wanted to get centered in myself first before, um, before sharing that. And so again, like dove back into that inquiry process and like held myself and let people hold me and fall apart and, Great. And I just let it all 
like it was happening. And then, you know, eventually something shifted in me and I can't say like, oh, here's the magic button that did it. I don't know. But there was just this like sense of like acceptance, like, okay, now do I want this to be happening? No, but it's happening. Here it is. This is happening, whether I like it or not. And there was just this sort of surge of like, I am going to make the fucking best of this. What I, you know, cause it's just life is short and I don't want to live in <laughs> constant stress and pain, if, especially if my life might not have as many years as I thought. And so that's when my new, uh, motto and mission <laughs> of my diagnosis, I say is, uh, my diagnosis is to live the fuck out of life now. Like that's what stage four cancer is. And so, you know, it's different in that I'm just like, so here for myself and, and any of it. And, and there are broken times and there are beautiful, elating, like inspiring times. Um, I really want to hold space for all of it. And, um, and yeah, and, and, and just learn to, to be present. I mean, I, I know how to, but practice it, practice being present and not getting lost in what could happen. I'm in the cancer community fully and, and it's hard. Like I have, gosh, two friends went into hospice this past week, nine have passed away just this past year. <sighs> and that breaks my fucking heart. Right. You know, I'm so grateful to still be here and I'm really sad that that happens, you know, and no one deserves it. Their families don't deserve it. Like, and again, I, you know, got to have the honor of keeping in touch with these people towards when their body transitioned. And a lot of them are full of peace at that point. And they're just like, yeah, shit deal. But like, I'm okay. It'll be okay. And whatever comes next, you know, I'm ready for it. And I just, I love, um, I don't know. I love hearing that and knowing that it helps me with my own, my own peace of mind around death. And I also have a really clear preference of, of staying alive. <laughs> so, but like, who knows? And, and so right now where I am is I've gone through another six months of chemo. Um, I'm now on a maintenance treatment plan. That's, um, I'm able to take the medicine on my own at home. I go in once a month for an infusion, um, and a shot that, that keeps me in or put me and keeps me in menopause. And I'm living a really full, amazing life. And, um, I just had my most recent round of scans last week and everything is shrinking and disappearing cancer wise. So there's like a few little sparkles left that they're like, maybe it's cancer. Also, maybe it's just dead cells, um, you know, in the liver, that are still healing in the bones. Like it'll light up when there's activity, but I'm also taking a medicine that literally my bones are regrowing. So that activity could be bone regrowing. It might not. So it's just, and then some areas where there was tons, like all along my spine shows nothing now. And so I'm so grateful that that's also happening. But again, like it, it might come back more. It might not. I just, I'm not in control of that, but I really like, am very determined to just keep living a great life no matter what. So beautiful. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much for being on because you're just helping so many others and you are such a light and a gift. So I really appreciate it. And before we get into random round, I just wanted to ask you any last thoughts that you want to leave our listeners with? Just like for, for anyone who's has heard those words, you know, you have cancer. (laughs) 
just the ability to know that there are people out there who are still living great lives. <laughs> I, I would say my life is even fuller, you know, since I've heard those words and just knowing that like that's possible and that you also have the ability to like support yourself out, out of that pain and, and to reach out to others. And, you know, there's just so much support out there in this community. And, and I use all of it, <laughs> like, I mean, let's do all the things. Um, and yeah, there's a way out of the pain also like just being so gentle and compassionate with yourself. that this is like a journey no one thought they'd be on and, and here it is. And, and, you know, grief is, is part of that as well. Um, but when you really open to that grief and let it move and flow, um, for me, it doesn't stick around as long and, you know, it just ends up being an invitation to, to love myself even more. So beautiful and such a good way to end before these last questions. Yeah. Fill in the blank. Freedom okay. to you is a state of mind. The last show you binged and loved. Ooh. I'm still in it. We crashed. I'm watching that now too. The we work stuff. My God, it's so good. It's so good. I keep I telling everyone. It in the beginning and now they're only releasing one episode a week. And I'm like, oh, I have to wait. Oh, it's great. It is so good. <laughs> when you're feeling afraid, what do you do? I question my thinking. If you could have a one hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? That's a tough one. I think Anita Morjani. Are you familiar with her and her story? I am, and she brings me so much peace. I love her. Yes. What is your favorite go-to snack? Uh, actually, I had it last night. Is uh, organic popcorn with dark chocolate. <laughs> Not necessarily in the same bowl, but it's like if you eat a handful and then you take a bite of chocolate and then alternate, it's that sweet, salty. Ooh, yum. Delicious world. <laughs> What's one simple thing that brings you joy? Mm, nature. What's on your nightstand? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of TMI. Uh, and you might being having gone through ovarian cancer, have to dealt with this, but it's like a bottle of lube and a dilator. <laughs> I am healing some vaginal tissue um, from treatment and then being in menopause. And it's like a nightly little fun ritual <laughs> that I have now. <laughs> What's your favorite form of exercise? Oh my God. So it depends on the season. Now I used to always say yoga because it does can go season wide, but since being in Colorado, I'm, you know, we're just finishing up winter skiing is, has been a huge source of joy. Love that. Yeah. But there's like a million things. Like I love hiking water aerobics with 90 year olds. It's super fun too. There's some classes I'm doing at my rec center. <laughs> <laughs> What's one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? Being alive and truly alive. Mm, I can see that you are. How can people find you and learn more? Two ways. Um, one is I'm very active on social media. So the handle is the name of my book, My Guru Cancer. And then um, my website as well is my name, bethanyweb.com. And so yeah. As far as like following, I just overshare every detail of all this stuff <laughs> and where my mind goes and the pain and 
the celebrations and all of it, um, that's, you know, always on social media and then on the website or, you know, the classes and coaching and, and all those kind of opportunities are, are on there as well. Wonderful. Well, thank you so, so much. It was such a joy. Yeah. So good connecting with you. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. (laughs) That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.